Hello, everybody, and welcome to Level 30 Games Podcast. My name is Tom, and I'm here today on this Zoom video conference call for your viewing and listening pleasure with Joseph. Joe, good afternoon. How are we today? Oh, I'm okay. Just sitting in my dark apartment alone. Well, you look beautiful in that dark apartment and alone. Hey. Speaking of beautiful, we're also here with Ada. Ada's joining us for her second episode in a row. Hey. Yeah. Hi, everyone. What's going on? What is new with you guys? What's it's been? It's been like eight weeks, ten weeks since we've done our last episode. And if you're a, an avid follower or listener, um, we apologize. Um, I think the end of the school year kicked all our butts in ways we didn't anticipate, given the global pandemic and everything going on. And uh, as much as we would have loved to, hopefully, like in our minds and hearts, have reconvened two months later to do this in person, it is still not the safest way to do it. Um, but thank you for, for listening now, if you're listening after that long hiatus. Joe, Ada, what have you been up to? Well, I've spent the last however many weeks coming up with excuses as to why we haven't done this in months. Despite the amount of times we've said, oh man, we should bring this up on a podcast and then yeah. proceeded okay. not podcast. A lot of things, although to be fair, it's not really fair, but like somebody has said, okay, and then like dropped out every time. Yes. So it's not for lack of trying, I guess, which is, uh, I don't know, the level 30 way. Okay, I'll take that as an answer while throwing shade at one of our teammates under the bus. That's okay, that's fine. Throwing shade under a bus is not an expression, but it it's is not. Um, eight it also did too. Uh, well, I wrapped up my school year as as well, and I wrapped up my dancing school year, which was very interesting to say the least. And I have been using some downtime to um, ride my bike. I finally purchased a bike while I'm this old and <laughs> finally have an, a, you know, a grown-up bicycle. So I've been trying to do that um, pretty frequently, and of course, I'm gaming. Cool. Very awesome. Yes. Uh, ample time for gaming now more than ever is still spending a majority of time at home without places to go, uh, safely at least. But hopefully if you're out there, you're being safe and all that jazz and you're, you're happy and healthy and your loved ones are happy and healthy. Um, may not be safe to hug them yet, but hopefully soon. So um, thank you both for joining uh, me here today for this episode. Uh, we got a we got a shorter rundown today, um, just to kind of a little inside baseball. I wanted to try and and shift our not our format for, per se, but uh, just spend some time talking on some things that are a little bit less news oriented. We will kick off with news in a minute, uh, just to move through some things and get some input from the team on some things. But uh, we're gonna have a a deeper dive on something that that was born out of a a tweet from an industry journalist and insider um, in regards to the length of games and are they too long? And I think that's just such a fascinating topic that is so variable from person to person that it'd be worth discussing with everyone here today. Um, but we'll get, into, we'll get into some news right now because there's been a lot of stuff that's happened in the last two months, even though this news pertains to things that were... Uh, fresh as of a week ago. So if you haven't been in the loop the last two months, I, I don't think you missed a whole heck of a lot. But um, here's what's popped out in the last, uh, last week or two. Um, we'll start with this one, even though it's at the bottom of my run of show. Uh, so it's been a year 
July of 2019, and which feels like 20 decades uh-huh. at this point. Um, it's been a year since a class action lawsuit was filed against Nintendo uh, for their Joy-Con drift issue. Have either of you come uh, across any issues with your Joy-Con as far as drift goes? Thankfully, I have not. I probably would lose my you-know-what very quickly if I did and get on the internet and try to find a way to fix it myself, which may or may not be a good thing. I, uh, I, I probably brought this up in like a, a previous one, but uh, I had replaced the Joy-Con, like just, just the joystick on the Joy-Con, uh, on mine a while ago because the rubber started to break and then I realized that that joystick wasn't working right so I swapped back in the original one and then it started drifting so yeah so I uh, emailed Nintendo and I was like hey what do I do to get this fixed and, and you know they, they sent me the shipping label and everything to send it off and I put it off for like four or five days and then got an email that said that they were closing their repair centers because of the pandemic. So I did get an email a couple weeks ago that they were like, send it into us now. And I'm like, well, I'd find a box and somewhere to print a shipping label because I don't have a printer at home. So I haven't done that just yet. It's not bad. It's totally usable. But realistically, I'm not going anywhere anyway, except for work. So I've just been using my pro controller. So it hasn't really been a, a big hindrance. Well, I guess the silver lining there is had you sent it in, by the time it got to Japan, they would have been like, all right, we're closed. And then you would have been down one Joy-Con. So I guess a half-functioning Joy-Con would have been better than no Joy-Con at all. Yeah, Um, absolutely. I mean, Genius still uses it for for Mario Kart, and it works fine for her. And she has uh, the, the Switch Lite now, so she can play that i'm pointing because it's back there um she's got to switch light now so she can play that so it 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 really hasn't it's annoying but it hasn't been the biggest deal so which which actually brings me to two questions for you one do you have any fears that if the switch light has a a drifting issue that it's going to be more problematic to send the whole unit back because those obviously those joy cons do not detach and clearly it's been more than a year but a year since the class action lawsuit that this problem isn't fixed so i actually read online that the um light was added to the lawsuit was it yes interesting um and now i forget the other question oh that was it since so you did repairs on the joy con yourself did taking those apart how cumbersome was that give us some insight to that did it did it break any of the uh you know factory warranty do you have one of those like stickers that where if you tear it off nintendo will be able to find it and say oh you open this up on your own so we're not going to fix it what was that like uh well first for your first question as far as shipping it back i'm while i'm concerned about it if it holds up as well as mine did i'm not super worried because i play my switch a lot more and i had finished Breath of the Wild with like over a hundred hours before I got a pro controller. So I put a lot of time into the Joy-Cons and they shouldn't have broken that quickly, no. but she uses hers a lot less than I use mine. So we'll do it if it, you know, if it comes down to it, I'd rather get it fixed than not get it fixed. But uh, I'm not super concerned about it right now. And I, I know they haven't done an, like an official fix, but not everybody has the problem. So I'm just hoping we'll be better off. Um, as far as opening it up, it, opening up the Joy-Con was 
as long as you have like the right tools and, and tiny fingers as I do, uh, it was really easy to take apart and to swap out. Like I didn't watch a video beforehand. I didn't know what it looked like on the inside. And it took me less than half an hour to open it up, take out the joystick, put the new one in and close it back up and it worked fine. Uh, the only the only problem I had is that the shell doesn't snap together in the perfect spot. There's like a little bit of play. So if you screw it shut without making sure it's closed right, you'll have like kind of a sharp edge. And it's easy enough to just loosen the screws, close it the right way and tighten them back up. So it's not a big deal, but you can clearly feel that you closed it the wrong way. Um, so it, it again, it was really easy to do. I, I wouldn't tell anybody to not do it uh, unless they unless they're really you know nervous about it. Uh, but also keep in mind that I've taken apart computers and laptops and things like that for a living for the last like 10 years. So I've been doing it as a hobbyist for like 15. So I have more experience than the average person does, but uh, it, it was it was pretty simple as far as electronics go. Yeah, I was gonna say that's, that's the asterisk this whole thing is that Joe, Joe does this like all the time. So yeah. Not terribly familiar. I definitely would recommend tracking down some YouTube videos. I know there are plenty out there that will show you the process step by step. And of course, just make sure, you know, you give yourself nice open space and a nice light. Make sure you don't lose them tiny screws. Or just get yourself a friend like Joe. <laughs> a buddy like Joe. And then they'll fix Honestly, it. If, if anybody's listening and they're like, I don't know how to do this. Like, I don't care. Reach out. Maybe. I'll help you out with it. Now, Nintendo came out and said, hey, like, and I'm paraphrasing here, they apologized uh, for any trouble to their customers, um, but they couldn't really comment anymore because of the class action lawsuit, which I guess means they can't really say, hey, we're sorry, we know this happens, because then they're admitting fault. So now we're in this ambiguous kind of, we need to wait for the courts to do their thing. But, um, you know, is this, is this an acceptable response from a company? where millions of these things have been sold, maybe even knowing ahead of time that there are faulty parts or faulty issues with the hardware. And this is a company that typically prides itself on, mm -hmm. you know, manufacturing quality, right? The original Game Boy was designed the way it was um, because when they tested it, they wanted to make sure that uh, it can drop from, I think it was four or five feet, three or four feet in the air. Uh, and the rationale behind that was, well, kids are going to be playing these. And so if a kid goes to put it in his pocket and he misses from like their waist to the floor, that's how far it's going to drop before it would hit the ground. It needs to make sure that it's, it's durable right. to withstand that. And of course, we all know the example of the Game Boy in, you know, the Nintendo World Store in New York that made it to the... Uh, I think it was the Afghanistan war and it's, it's literally blown to pieces and melted and, but it still runs and okay. plays Tetris perfectly fine. Um, and if I'm wrong on that war, please someone correct me on that. But is it, is this, is this an acceptable answer from a company that we've usually come to rely on? I think that it's pretty much as, as best of an apology as we can expect for one while it's, you know, being wrapped up in a, in a lawsuit, in a court case and all of that. Um, I did think that it was um, big of them to when people were putting in for the um, like the repairs and stuff that they were being charged originally, but then they went back and they refunded all of those, which almost kind of 
is like admitting to fault without admitting fault at the same time. Um, Good point. But the fact that they're replacing it for free, they're not charging people, um, I think is is good that they're at least doing it to try to like fix the image, fix the reputation of the company for this happening. But at the same point, you know, with a company that's so big and the demand of the Switch, especially now with this this pandemic happening and how many people went looking for video game systems, um, I feel like it was one of those things that was just bound to be too big too quick where there was going to be some potential corners cut, you know? Right. And that's actually a beautiful segue, very well stated, um, into the next uh, small bit of news that popped up. Um, as manufacturing has started to normalize, the systems are a little bit more readily available than they've been in the last few months, mm-hmm. um, which is great for folks that were on lockdown and trying to find some sanity at home. Um, but recently they held, it was the 80th annual general meeting of shareholders um, and the president, and I, I, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing the name here, uh, Shuntaro Furukawa uh, was asked, um, and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit here. He was basically asked, um, well, hey, could you give us some outlook on your next game system? Um, as, of course, shareholders and people always kind of prod to make sure that their investments, right, are always going to be foolproof and that, hey, what's on the horizon is is at least a thought in your head. And of course, you got a pretty vague answer and they'll never divulge anything um, truly spectacular during a shareholders meeting. But um, President uh, Furukawa had replied saying, and again, paraphrasing, that, that essentially the momentum of sales in the fourth year of this hardware um, are increasing. And they attribute that to development on, uh, you know, games for one platform instead of traditionally two. Uh, and that has allowed them to concentrate their resources and extend the life cycle. So my question uh, to the group, and I guess um, I guess we'll start with Joe, uh, is when do you expect the trajectory of hardware revisions as Nintendo is traditionally known for, especially with their handheld lines, um, to take place? And when do you think a potential you know, system update might happen? I feel like the the switch changed a lot of things i mean typically uh, i mean nintendo might be different and i feel like i'd have to look at the timelines um like written down somewhere so i know that i'm not making stuff up but usually like you you get around the two-ish year mark is where you start getting the the new revisions of the consoles uh and obviously that that didn't really happen like not not a big revision you know they, they got the small cpu bump and battery bump and you got the light but that's still the switch light count do we think i don't think so because like think like the the xbox one s was supposed to be like you no longer buy the xbox one you buy the one s you know this is our new version but you don't buy the light and no longer buy the original switch they're they're made for two different use cases as opposed to um like the xbox which is supposed to replace the use case Okay, so, so from like a it's it's one skew versus another skew as opposed to we're we're completely discontinuing one you know one of these and we're, okay got it that's that's a great, good analogy. I think, uh, but I think Nintendo is going to wait until they start seeing things uh, level off before they're really going to come. I mean, 
any any technology company is always working on what's going to be in the next one. You know, I'm sure they have a Switch 2 or whatever the next console is in mind. It doesn't mean that they're actually prototyping it or, you know, building it, but they're saying like, hey, this is what we're going to do for the Switch. This is what we're going to do for the Switch 2. You know, they're, they're separating those things. Um, so that, you know, that's on the table in, in some capacity for them, I'm sure, but it's it's hard to know when they're going to start like really saying hey we're going to do a new revision or do a new console because right now what incentive do they have to do it how many people are really not buying a switch i mean at the rate it's going it looks like at some point everybody's going to own one so uh you know it's it's hard to say when when they're going to um when they're going to come up with a new one it, it realistically you have to look at the numbers and just say like hey it's starting to level off but also, that could have happened by now in a normal economy, in a normal world, but now everybody's home and not everybody's working from home and a lot of people have lost their jobs, but a lot of people who were working from home or are working from home are going, well, I've got nothing to do, so let me buy, you know, let me buy a Switch. So, uh, you know, that's the hot in-demand item. Um, so we might not really see it until the economy starts leveling out and Nintendo knows, hey, this is what things are gonna look like going forward because right now, every single week is, is anybody's guess. Sure, and so Ada, let me, let me direct this, this question to you. Um, as someone who might play, I think it might be safe to say that, well, I think I feel like most people play video games a lot less than I do. Um, but so as Ada, as someone who enjoys and maybe plays a little bit more casually than I would, what would it take for you in the Switch 2 to say, and we're just hypothetically, right, that's this, whatever the next version is or whatever the, whatever the cosmetic change might be, um, for you to say, oh, okay, this might be worth my money. Because I feel like day one, whatever it is, I might be like, just take it. Here's my money, go. Um, now, I didn't do that when the, the version 2 came out with the longer battery life and the different screen. I did, that wasn't, that wasn't enough for me, but if they said this is formally this is this is the next version of this, it'll play. Okay, so what it would take do, for you? Do not do not get mad that I'm saying this, but I read this and I was like, that would be it. I would have to say that um, parroting the Project X Cloud on Xbox would be the the thing that would get me to jump to buy a new console. I have a smartphone and there's nothing stopping me from doing the whole subscription base. What is it like $15 a month, I think for um, the project X cloud. Um, so having something, a, a, a Nintendo version of that would be extremely appealing to me. I would just, I would want bang for my buck. If I'm paying that amount of money, I want a huge catalog of games to, pl to play. And I want, very timely releases like uh, of new stuff. So um, that would be my thing. And I, I know that that's jumping ahead and I apologize for that. Um, but that is what would make me go into uh, another console at this point. Is this something was tied into my, into my mobile device? Cause I love the mobility of the switch. Um, you know, you see how often I take that with me and throw that in my bag and travel with it and play it on a whim. Um, so having that option for me was, perfect and adding my smartphone into it where I have to only take a smaller piece to, to connect would be ideal. So it is so untraditional 
Nintendo to even go down that avenue that it didn't even cross my mind as an option that that would be something they consider. But when you said it, I was like, oh yeah, no, I want that too. Because that would be really cool. Um, which takes us to the next question then. And I know, Joe, you've been in the, is it a closed beta or open beta for Project xCloud? It's, it's technically a closed beta, but it's very easy to get into. Um, in fact, they said like it could take like a couple months to get approved, and I got an email the next day that said I was in it, so. You were there early enough. But um, Microsoft had recently announced uh, that Project xCloud is now gonna, or whatever they finally bill it as, it just might be xCloud, I'll just drop the name Project, um, is gonna be included in their Game Pass Ultimate subscription. Um, moving forward, I think, with their next console launch. Um, you may have said it on the show before, but like, if you can quickly tell us what xCloud does, and then the question would be, does the advancement of something like this um, impede on the market relevancy of the Nintendo Switch? Uh, so what xCloud does is, first of all, is it lets you, lets you stream games from you know, the xCloud catalog to right now, just your smartphone. Uh, in the future, it will be, as far as I know, it will be to your Xbox uh, and to your PC. Um, and I believe it's coming to iOS devices. I don't see why it wouldn't, but as far as I know right now, it's just on Android. Uh, but any game that is in the beta, you can load up the game, select it, and it just loads. You know, it for on my phone, I have a Galaxy S10 and it loads any, any game I've tried so far, uh, it's loaded in about a minute or so, which is pretty quick. Uh, it plays right now, it plays in 720p. So it's not like super high resolution, but it's totally playable. Uh, it looks really nice. Um, I, want, I want 4K on my 5.4 inch touchscreen phone. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> um, it's, I mean, my, my, I think the screen, the native resolution of my screen is like 1440p. Uh, so it, it's kind of a shame that I only get 720p out of it. But again, it's only a beta. It's going to do 720. It's, yeah, it, it's tiny to look at. And you never realize, like, you hold this phone, like Galaxy S10. It's, it's the normal one, but it's still a pretty big phone. And then you try and play a game on it like this. And you're like, wow, that's, that's really tiny. Uh, so it doesn't work for all games. The first thing I did when, when I got into the beta was I loaded up Borderlands at work and it played relatively well. I had some artifacting here and there, but again, totally playable controls were like very minimal latency. Uh, but getting a headshot on that tiny little head was very, very difficult. Um, you were saying something, Tom? So you've basically essentially just described a more technologically advanced version of what the switch does right we can take these home games on the go and play them on a dedicated console this concept is you can play your home games anywhere on any device that will essentially have a screen does this kind of change what the switch's relevancy is as a product like why would i need to buy a dedicated game console when i can pay a, a service fee to play my games anywhere. Does this make the Switch less relevant? Uh, right now, no, because the internet infrastructure really can't handle uh, streaming, like competitive games especially, but uh, quick, you know, quick Twitch playing games like that, uh, it, it can't really handle it for too long. Like I can play Borderlands, but 
if more people jump in on that game and I'm playing with other people, it's going to be hard to keep up. And if I'm trying to play a competitive shooter, it's not going to be possible. Um, so it's, it's kind of, uh, there's a balance because with game streaming, I already have my phone with me. So the only extra thing I need to bring is a controller. So if I'm going somewhere like to a friend's house where he has a controller, I can just use his. Um, I can throw a controller in my backpack and ignore it until I need it. Uh, whereas the switch is more, um, it's a bigger deal if I lose the switch, you know, if I throw up my backpack and it gets broken, that's 200, $250 versus my 50 or $60 controller. Um, but I have the benefit of having games locally on my switch, you know, whether I download them or have a cartridge, I can play my games locally and bring whichever games I want with me. And I don't have to worry about whether I have internet where I am. I also don't have to worry about my phone battery running out or how do I respond to a text message if I'm playing a video game, you know? So I think, you know, it's different than when, you know, phones took over the space of iPods and MP3 players because you can put all your music on your phone or you can stream it. And I can send a text message while I'm listening to music, but that's not as easy to do in the middle of a game. Uh, the, the also, the, the worst thing is this phone is heavy and I strapped it to my controller and it immediately just went like that. So it's not super comfortable to do it either. Um, me personally, I still use an MP3 player. So I'm somebody who likes to have a dedicated device uh, for, you know, dedicated uses. Gotcha. That makes sense. I, I guess my fear would be is that, okay, here, here's the Switch 2. And it'll be launching at a time when when these streaming services for games are really going to get off their feet in a meaningful way, uh, and it's going to be like, well, yeah, but what's the point? Like, where where does this now new hardware fit in with the trajectory that the games industry is going? Right? Like, I went to go pick up a game today and walked by one rack of DVDs or Blu-rays in Best Buy, and I was like, I can't even. And, I, and I, you guys know me, I'm a collector of things. I, I don't know if I would buy a movie now. And I, I think that's something that five years ago, I would have said, oh no, I, I want to have it on my shelf. I want to be able to take it out and watch it whenever I can. And there have been times now as these streaming services are just popping up left and right that I don't have to worry about, oh, if I want to watch this show that's on such and such a streaming service, I can just go take the shelf, you know, take it right off my bookshelf. Um, I think games are going to be that next thing at some point. Yeah, I think so too. I definitely think that that's where it's headed. Just from a from a value standpoint, right? Like, oh, I, like my sixty dollar game purchase today, if it was included with some sort of subscription service, would cost me fifteen twenty dollars a month. So instead of having an internal debate as to do I buy Paper Mario, do I buy Ghosts of Tsushima? Well, wait a minute, hold on. I got a streaming service. I can pay thirty dollars and play both of them. I, I feel like that's going to be something where in the next five years is going to be, I don't think it's going to be longer than five years. I think it's that. No, it'll be less than that. It'll absolutely be less than that. And it's almost um, uh, like accessibility, getting it in the hands of more people. Like granted, yes, the pandemic did talk, you know, toss people into the world of video games a little bit um, faster and like at a grander scale than probably was intended. Um, but I think that accessibility and 
people looking at the $15 price point versus a $230 something dollar price point is going to be very appealing to some families. And they're like, oh, well, we can afford that. So yeah, let's jump on and let's do that instead of buying a brand new gaming console that's going to cost three, $400. Well, that's a good point too. And you know, the family perspective, especially for our audience, right? If you've got kids that play games, it's no longer, okay, if each kid wants a different game, you know, that's going to add up real quick versus, okay, well, we're going to pay for this. And now you guys can go on there and play what you want to play. And maybe if it's not there, sorry, wait until it is. Or, you know, if it's a special occasion, that's when you get, and these, as these games are going to, you know, become more and more expensive, right? Ada just leaves in the middle of our podcast. (laughs) Um, Right. There's been a few publishers that have said, all right, Hey, next gen games, they're going to be $70. Right. And, and you go, okay, like now with someone with a a reasonable income, you go, man, that, that sucks. But like, holy crap. Like think it like, not that it's unjustified. I, I, I truly think it is. I don't think games can stay $60 forever. Um, but like when you start to go, okay, well that, that's almost a hundred dollars. What can I, what, what adult responsibility will a hundred dollars take care of? Or even set, like, that's a lot, like that's a cell phone bill for the month. You know what I mean? So who knows? Um, I just hope it's that Nintendo finds a way to make something as they always tend to do that will be, well, I wouldn't say always as they've had their fair share of floppy systems. Um, to, to stay relevant as, you know, the PS5 and Xbox Series X are on the horizon, as is game streaming. So we'll move on. Um, this, this was actually uncovered the other day. Um, for those of you that have been waiting some serious formal Nintendo news, as we did not have an E3 announcement, and uh, Nintendo has come out and said, yeah, you know, directs have, are okay, but we're, we're trying to move past that and find something a little bit more interesting or meaningful to do. Um, a private Twitter account, which was called at Super Mario 35th was found, which is adding fuel to the fire that there is going to be some formal announcement soon. And the recognition of this year as being the 35th anniversary of Mario, Mm -hmm. um, that there's going to be some announcements coming and then an official Twitter to, to follow, to get those news and updates, which is cool. So we'll keep it really simple for this. Um, you know, you can look up at Super Mario 35th. It'll be there. It's a placeholder for now. So hopefully we'll get some info soon as we are halfway through the year and there's been zero Mario announcements. Um, rumor mill, of course, is flying, but we'll, we'll keep it simple. Um, what game are you guys... What Mario game? Sorry. What Mario game not available to play on the Switch are you craving the most? And I phrased it like that very specifically, and I'll, I'll tell you why in a moment but ada was very uh very stern in her response called me a nasty word when she put it in her run of show ada why don't you explain your love affair with with your selection okay and i'm pretty sure i talked about this in the last podcast but um i like sat and i wrote down um all of the mario specific games that i played growing up on the nes and the super nintendo and pretty much everything is available for me to play on the Switch. So I was kind of like looking at the, okay, well, there's one that isn't, and it's Mario Paint. 
that was one of my favorites growing up and I loved playing it. And the fact that it's still not available on the switch is kind of sad. Um, but yeah, I would love to play Mario paint again. I, I feel like that there is that missing outlet for people that um, want to do something creative in the world of Mario besides build, you know, besides Mario maker building the courses and stuff. And Charlotte is throwing her, her two cents in Charlotte. Stop it. Um <laughs> The perks of not being in a studio. <laughs> oh, I don't know if you guys saw before, but she was poking her head up before trying to uh, to see what was happening up here. Um, but yeah, I, that's that's mine. I would go with with Mario Paint simply because you know looking for a video game with some kind of creative outlet is something that I find myself wanting to do more and more as you know we're in this pandemic and down in lockdown. I think that's an interesting choice because my first thought was like, I remember that game shipped with like a mouse controller. Yep, a mouse pad and a little mouse. Right, and well, okay, so the touchscreen will work perfectly fine. And I think people have shown, and Nintendo even supported it with um, their, I believe it was the Art Academy, like series of smaller games on the Wii U um, that you give people you know, Nintendo properties in a touchpad, they're going to go and draw stuff and just look at Splatoon, you know, as an example. Yeah. See some really crazy stuff popping up and interesting yeah. stuff um, popping up <laughs> Splatoon uh, town. And you're just like, wow, like the, I, the, there's an audience for that. I actually think that would end up doing really well as a Switch title. Um, Joe, what about you? What Mario game? <laughs> so, uh, so I originally wrote down Super Mario World, which I think we've all previously agreed is like the greatest Mario game. That was topped our poll last episode. Yes. Yeah. But, uh, but at the same time, like you can play that technically on the Switch on, uh, as long as you have their online service. So then I said Mario Sunshine, because I'm just looking at Mario Sunshine with you know, rose-tinted glasses. But then I realized I didn't play enough of uh, Super Mario 64 when it came out. And I think I might have to go back to that. And steal my answer, because that's what I have as well. Well, that's what you get for going last. <laughs> yeah, but I put it in the, you know, never mind. Um, <laughs> I'm going to agree with you there. I think, I think, would I play any Mario that they re-put on the system? A thousand percent. It's, it'll, be, it'll be bought. Um, and I, I think it's the reason why I said, what, what are you craving most? Like, I think there are better Mario games than Super Mario 64. Like, I think the Mario Galaxy series is phenomenally better and way more interesting. But for whatever reason, at this current moment in time, I'm craving some old 64-bit goodness um, of, of Mario 64. And I think it would do really well on the Switch because the levels are a little bit shorter. They're a little bit more focused. Um, it would be great to kind of just pop in and out of that, like on a lunch break or, you know, uh, just do a few, like, you know, clear or get one or two stars and call it a night before bed. Like that, that would be a really digestible game. Uh, I think that would be really cool to have on that system. Even if they didn't like, even if it was a straight port, I'd be all for it. Although I do wish they maybe would clean it up a little bit, but then it would lose some of its charm. I don't know. So why did you nick Sunshine? Uh, I wouldn't say I, I nixed it. Like I'd still want to play it absolutely, and I'd be I'd be happy that they edited it. Uh, but I, I think I was just sitting there, and I said Sunshine, and I was going through what other games because I feel like I always see the same Mario games. And then Mario sixty four came to mind, and I think uh, 
I didn't play enough of that game and I didn't play enough of Mario's uh, of 64 games in general but like 64 was when they started really adding some like really good open worlds and some of the games just from the N64 in general have really awesome open you know 3D areas uh even stepping away from Mario like if if you guys played Bomberman 64 like that game was awesome it had such great areas that I, I think that time period in, in general had some really great games. Yeah, I just think the visual side of that time period doesn't hold up as well as, say, like the 16-bit era. It's just it's very blocky, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, as long as you can throw the penguin off the edge, it's fine. No, we want to save the penguin. Although I think <laughs> it's interesting you said open worlds because I never really thought of Mario as an open world game. Like, uh, specifically Mario 64. Um like you go into paintings and there's things to do in there and some, I guess, arguably loose structure. Like you can come across stars I think you didn't mean to find, right? Mm. Um, but I never really considered those open world. And that's, I, I, I think I, I miss when games had a little bit more focus like that, even though there were things to explore. It was like, hey, go explore what is essentially a glorified room versus a glorified like country. You know, um, and I, I miss that. I miss the kind of that focus in game design and saving penguins and racing penguins and the music to Mario 64 is just awesome. Yeah. All right. Interesting choices. Well, supposedly we got some things on the way um, that have not been announced. So we'll, we'll categorize it under the, the rumor mill. But um, supposedly there is something coming in the vein of uh, like a Mario collection which you know could be 64 and Sunshine and Galaxy or some Galaxy Galaxy 2 dual pack-in and supposedly a port of the Wii U uh, game Super Mario 3D World will be its own standalone title. That's just what I've been seeing online. Um, did either of you guys enjoy that on the Wii U? Because I thought that game was excellent. I did not have a Wii U. Then you need to go home. <laughs> I am home. <laughs> Kidding. Mine is over there and does not get a whole lot of playtime because I got it like a year before the Switch came out. But uh, no, I, I went I, right from the Wii to the Switch. So that's, that's most for you guys, which I'm I'm kind of like jealous about. That uh, Super Mario 3D World, if you get a chance to play, it's fantastic. And if it comes out on Switch. We'll have to play it together. And, oh, that'd be a great live stream game. We'll have to put that in the calendar just because that is a game where, and Joe, you've expressed your admiration and frustration in playing Super Mario with your significant other <laughs> up and running through the levels. There is a competitive side of this, which is really, really cool. Um, so hopefully we have those in the near future as a formal announcement and something to look forward to because I think the next few months are kind of question marks as far as what major Nintendo releases are coming. Yeah. Um, so cool. Hopefully we have some Mario goodness in the near future. Um, but that's going to take us to, and I guess as we were talking about games of yore, which traditionally were not necessarily things that you can beat in an afternoon, but certainly things that you know, don't have the extended playtime that games have today. Looking for my prop, there it is. Um, and so you may have come across this if you follow uh, any of the news cycles or are on Twitter and follow some game uh, gaming outlets there. Um, 
but I, this came up as a as a heated discussion online, and I thought I would I'd propose it to you guys. Mike was supposed to join us this afternoon as well, and I would have loved to have his insight as a gamer, but also as a father, um, to see what his thoughts and feelings are on this are. As that is one one title that none of us here have, um, but. Uh, Jason Schreier, I don't know if you're familiar with him. Uh, he's a, a video game journalist. He used to work for Kotaku. He's now with, I think, Bloomberg. Uh, he changed recently. He's an author as well. He wrote this book uh, called Blood, Sweat, and Pixels. If you've never heard of it, I would strongly recommend it. Um, it kind of goes chapter by chapter, studio by studio, game by game, and explains some of the, the crunch behind getting these games out on time. And they're just fascinating stories. Um, a good follow on Twitter as well. If you're into the social media stuff, uh, check him out. The best analogy I can give is that he is to video games what Adam Schefter is to sports. Because he just seems to be the guy that knows everything about everyone and people trust him. So he's I thought that was you. No, I wish to have the <laughs> for sure, but I unfortunately I do not. Um, but anyway, he he posted a very simple tweet that simply said, video games are too long. And it exploded, um, I mean, obviously given his popularity. Of course, but, that was a torpedo in the water. Uh, Dumb idea is what it was. Um, and he was referring to specifically uh, The Last of Us Part Two, which I finished last night and it clocked in at 30 hours and nine minutes. And I will share the sentiment with him that that game might have been a little too long. Um, that doesn't make it any less awesome. But I guess the question I have for you both, and jump in if, you, if something latches on, um, but how do we as gamers, right? And we're not game journalists by any stretch of the imagination. We have opinions and we put them out there. Um, but that doesn't mean we have any sort of weight. Uh, how, do you, how do you guys dissect the idea of game length as a factor towards what makes a game good or bad? And that's a loaded question. It's, it, that is totally a loaded question. For me, it's, it's honestly, it depends on my mood because there are days that I have nothing going on and I just want to sit and I want to dive into a video game world and I want to be there for a long time as we can see with my hours that I've clocked in Animal Crossing. But like, there are also days that I want to go in, I want to play a game and I want to feel that instant gratification of, of doing something substantial in it in a fraction of the time. So it's a double-edged sword for me because there's some days that I, I want to be in there in that world for a while and I'm okay if the story takes forever. And then there's days that I just bang, bang, boom, and I want it done. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to prod you a little bit because you brought oh, up boy. Crossing as an example. And as I approach the 200 hour mark of my playtime with that game, yeah, I think I just hit 190 the other day. I'm only at 140. Um, <laughs> what I find fascinating about the game, one, is that it's designed to be played infinitely. Okay, but- I don't believe that. It's safe to say at this point, the amount of time I put on it on a daily basis has diminished, you know- Substantially made, for me. Yeah, right? So you might play for five minutes a day, um, if at all. And so it, that one kind of becomes almost, I feel like an oxymoron, right? Here's a game designed to be played every day, which means it has infinite length, but 
are we bored of it at this point? Is there less like how to, like if you're looking for that game that you can play forever, that's it. But at the same time, is, is it really though? Is it a game? I, I don't, I don't think it is. Of course it is. I, I don't think it is because at the start of the game, they tell you that the goal is to get so many stars and to get KK there for the concert. And once that happens, it's kind of like there's no real big quote unquote missions for you to do. Like, that, um, that's the that's the whole game. That's the design of the game. The fact that there actually were objectives like that early on was relatively new. See, that's what I I wanted more of with Animal Crossing. I would like more missions. Like, what was it, May Day, where we had that that uh, secret island that we w- could go to and had to do the the challenge at that? Do you remember? I do, and that was cool for like thirty five minutes, and it was over. Right, but that would be something that I would look forward to, like the fishing tournament that happened on Saturday. Like, okay, I, I'm, in, I'm into to having those kind of challenges, but when there aren't or there's such a large span of time between things like that, I'm kind of like... Okay, let's, let's, let's take that and reframe it to this question. So they, there's nothing to stop them from saying, hey, um, in August, we're going to do this big month-long thing and it might bring you back into that game. Yeah. So in that sense, does the length of this game make it better or worse? If you got, let's just say that you got to that KK thing and you rolled credits and the game was like, okay, there's nothing more to do. Would you A, one, have felt content with your time? Would you have wanted more time with the game? Or did you feel that, okay, that took way too long and it wasn't worth it? Um, I would have been okay at that point that I had spent a decent amount of time on it. I had put enough work into it and that if I had to put the game down forever at that point, I would have been okay with it and then eventually come back and start all over again. But you didn't. I didn't. So I'm just, I don't, again, I don't think there's a, I'm not trying to dig an answer out of you. I think it's an interesting example, example of a game that you can play for five minutes a day until you die, or you can play for an hour if you just want to like fish for an hour, or you can play it for six hours if you wanted to catch bugs and stuff. Um, But I don't know if that the infinite duration of that game makes it better or worse. Um, Joe, have you come across, and I know you are big into the Metal Gear series. Um, you're, You're big into a lot of series, but like, have you played a game where you're like, okay, that was great, but it was too long or wow, that was, that was over too quickly. Like what, what is your take as you know, in regards to length being a good or bad thing for a game? Um, I think you're gonna call me crazy until you hear me out. I don't think games can be too long. I think an individual game can be too long, but I don't think there is a length that is too much for a game but I think there is a length that is not enough. Um, and kind of compare it to compare it to music. Like a song can be too short. Like if somebody comes in and somebody comes out on stage and plays four chords for 12 seconds and walks off, well, that song was too short. But if they go on for 45 minutes and it's technically one song, but it's a beautiful symphony, was it too long? It wasn't. Uh, you know, I think it's all about the content. If you play a game and you're, you know, 12 hours in and it looks like they're just throwing fetch quests at you 
you know, and or they're just, you know, they're making you walk from one end of the map to the other just for the sake of it, you know, like just because they need to add an extra hour of padding to the game and it starts to feel a little long in the tooth, then yeah, that game is too long. But if you have quality content for 30 or 40 straight hours, then I, I think that's a good thing because you get what you paid for, especially with the price of games rising, uh, but you're getting um, your value out of the game and realistically, nobody's telling you you have to play it till the end. If you play to the point that you enjoy what you know the game for the amount of money that you spent it on, you're going to miss out on the story and the ending. But overall, I got what I wanted out of this game, and I don't feel the need to play it till the end. So if it's too long, I'll look up the ending on YouTube, you know? But again, if, if it's quality content all the way through, I don't think that there is a length that is too much for a game as long as it's good. So you hit, you touched upon something that I find really interesting. And I explained to you the other day, um, cause I, I finally booted up horizon zero dawn and thought the mechanics were really cool and robot dinosaurs. Awesome. Um, and I made it about 10 hours into that game, not even really paying attention to the story and was given a quest. And I was like, I feel like I've done this. Okay. And I kind of, I very quickly just stopped and, and almost made a decision I don't really need to go back to this game. I feel like I, I did everything that it, it wanted me to do at least once. And if I don't see it through, I'm okay with that. But does that mean that the, I, I feel like not to pull another analogy, but you know, you as a musician, right? If you put out a, an album, wouldn't you want people to listen to that album in its entirety before they made a judgment about whether they thought it was good or not? Yes, absolutely. Uh, and, and there's, it's not a perfect analogy because you can skip along between tracks on an album, which isn't always something you can, you can do. not do side missions and just straight story quest. And, you know, but like if I told a game developer, Oh, I didn't really like your game. Oh, well, did you beat it? No. Does, does that factor into, my opinion on it or whether like what if the back half of that game like was amazing right i mean how many rpgs or jrpgs have you played where it's like yeah the first 20 hours are kind of slow but everything after that is just amazing uh that that absolutely happens but think of think of this you probably having more music in your collection than i do how many times have you picked up an album and you put it on you got through the first three tracks and you went I already know I don't like this band. I'm not going to listen to the rest of it. You know, I, I will try and get through an album, even if I don't like it. There are bands, you know, the, one of my friends will give me like five, six CDs every time I see them and I'll put them in my CD player and I'll try and listen to them at least twice before I decide I don't like it. But there have been a couple where I've put it in and gone, no, this isn't, I know I don't like this, so I know I'm not going to like the rest of it. And I'm not going to waste my time listening to it, you know? And I think you can, depending on the game, you can get that feel, you know? Like, uh, if you go into a game like Borderlands and you go, all right, well, Claptrap isn't making me laugh. Uh, I don't like the skill set that I have. Um, there are just so many weapons that I don't even know what I want to use. And I'm tired of trying to find random pieces of a gun on the floor. You know, like if the first couple hours feel like a slog, 
why why is there any reason to assume that the rest of the game isn't going to feel like that? And almost every game will change its dynamic towards the end. A lot of games will be uh, a lot of quests in the beginning, and then as the story comes together, the last couple hours will be straightforward because now you're really into the story and you're finishing the game. So, there, you know, the game will change, but it's still Borderlands 2. So if I didn't like the first couple hours of Borderlands 2, probably not going to like the rest of it. And I don't think that happens for any, every single game, but I think if you didn't like the first 10 hours, that's a decent amount of time to spend in a game. If you didn't like the first 10 hours of Horizon, I think it's fair for you to say you're not going to like the rest of it. You could end up enjoying the story, but you might not like the story coupled with the gameplay enough to go through another 10 to 15 hours of it. Oh no, I, I liked the 10 hours I played. I just felt satisfied in what I had played and was not compelled to play any further. Like, I don't think that's a game I'm going to pick back up and go, yeah, I'll finish this because it was so engrossing. Whereas the, and the last of us part two is a great example, at least for me, because as, as when I finished it last night, of course I spent the hour after that, just digesting every single thing I could about the game itself. And I did feel at parts that it was too long and it kind of does the Lord of the Rings. Um, what was the, the last one, the something King. I'm not a Lord of the Rings person either. Return of the King, where it's like the movie ended and we're all like, okay, cool. And then it like does a little bit more and then it ends and then it does a little bit more. And you're like, all right, dude, there's like nine different endings to this movie. Um, <laughs> parts of The Last of Us where I was like, oh my God, this is it. And then it wasn't. It wasn't. It <laughs> and it wasn't. And I was like, holy crap. Like, I think intrinsically when you're saying to yourself, how much longer is this going to go before I get, and this is of course a, a big story driven game before I get a resolution and then they roll credits. Like I don't want to have to get agitated that the last few hours of the game, I'm just trying to get through it. Yeah. That's never a good thing to, to feel about a, about a game having that build up and then it's not the end. And it's, that doesn't put you in a good place and it kind of leaves you with a bad taste in your mouth in regards to that game. If, if a game is doing that much build up, then you're going to, like you said, feel frustration. And at that point, I probably would have walked away from it. Well, at that point, I mean, so it took me 30 hours to beat. I wasn't going to walk away at, at 25, 27 hours. Like we're going to, you know, and I'm not saying the- but Did you know it was going to take you 30 hours to complete that game? So I've start. I've taken to now, anytime I'm interested in a game and I, it's not a, oh my God, I'm going to go out and buy this immediately. It, one of the first things I look up as it pertains to reviews is how long did it take this person to beat it? And then I'll add like 10 hours because- Someone who gets paid to play games, you know, over the course of a week to write a review, they're they're playing seven hours a day. You know, I, I feel like my I don't have that. read The Last of Us is gonna take about twenty-five hours. I said, Okay, I'm gonna tack on at least five or six more because I'm gonna move a little bit slower. You know, like I'm gonna die like I might I may not be as good as someone else. So um it it was right on point. But like I'll I'll, I'll circle back to to that notion in a second. Um, feeling that way doesn't mean that the game itself is inherently bad or I want it to be over for the sake of it being over. So I think maybe for me personally, uh, the length of a game is successful based on the mechanics within the game that support the length, right? 
Um, and maybe The Last of Us doesn't, it does an okay job of saying, hey, now you're 18 hours in, but you've discovered this new weapon or you've unlocked this new ability that will change the mechanics of the game fundamentally for from here until the rest of the game. Things you couldn't do as a character in the beginning, now you can do some of this stuff. And that might be enough for some people to go, oh, okay, this, this helped maintain my interest to the conclusion. Um, so I, I don't know if there is a perfect length. Like, do you guys have a duration of time that you say, oh, this game is 20 hours, this game is 50 hours, this game is 300 hours. Like, do you look at those numbers and does it shy you away from games or is there like an ideal length for you? If you had to put an hour mark on it, what, what's, what, do, you, what do you look at as a game and say, okay, I, I can manage that, I think that's great. Or can you at all? I don't know. Can I, before I answer that, can, can I come back to an analogy from before real quick? Hold on, just real quick. If you are going to mention Borderlands again, for oh, not. back at home, it's one shot every time Joe mentions Borderlands, which I think we're more deep. But go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. It, good thing you're not taking a shot every time I mention Metal Gear because you'd be drunk, like, really quickly. Uh, so, no, hammered. The, <laughs> the, the analogy that I want to go back to is the music analogy. Uh, just think back to, um, think back to, like, 10 years ago, you're, you're driving around with your friends and, uh, <laughs> and you're, you know, whoever's driving has their iPod out and you go to change the song, you go to see what they, they have and they're scrolling through their iPod and you go, oh, this is one of, you know, one of my favorite bands. And you select that band and they go, oh, I love them. So you look through and you realize they only have five or six songs from that band you know, rather than even a full album, let alone their entire discography. And I think you can kind of compare that to Lemp and, and how you felt about Horizon. They only have five or six songs by that band, but they still know that they like them from that. You put 10 hours into that game that you enjoyed, but that was enough for you. But I, but I think there's a flaw in that analogy in that music you can cut up piecemeal like that. And it's still like a song is going to hold the integrity from the onset, whether you listen to it in the middle of the album it came out on, whether it's on the greatest hits album, or whether you download a single and that's the only song you have, you can't, you know, I can't, I can't read every other chapter of a book or jump to the end of a game and play it. You know, like there, the linear progression through video games as a medium is it, you always like from beginning to end, you can't really jump around in the same way. Well, then we're getting into concept albums, and now the analogy is just going way too far. <laughs> but no, to, listen to theater and like do a bunch of opium or something. No, <laughs> won't happen. But um, I feel like to, to get back to your, your question. Oh, my question was: Is there a perfect length? Like, is there an, is there a target that you go that that's that's ideal for me? Hundred and forty hours. <laughs> As, as Ada is now, she will never play Animal Crossing again. <laughs> no, I'll still play, but I think that, uh, gosh, I wish that we could have like had an, a record of how much, like how long we were gaming growing up. And I, I'm pretty sure I sat and played Mario 3 for hours on end until from like breakfast to dinner time every day, like one summer. And um, so like, 
and it took me forever to beat that. And I, I will openly admit I did not beat that game until I got my hands on a game genie. Um, <laughs> That's okay. I didn't beat the original Zelda until I was an adult. I couldn't do it as a kid. But anyway, we digress. Go on. So yeah, I, I would say that my, my I'm going to top myself out. Top out 140. That's insane. Well, first of all, I, there, I don't think you're going to find many games that are going to stop at 140 hours. I think that's a rare, that's a, that's a rare thing. Um, <laughs> so God bless you if you're playing something that long and you're like, no, I know there's more to do, but I just don't feel like it. Um, I think that's a very small category of games. Um, Joe, how about you? Uh, it, it obviously goes to the, the genre of the game because everybody get your shots ready. I have 210 hours in Borderlands on PC. I just pulled up my Steam account. That's not including another roughly 110 I have on Xbox 360. I put a lot, which is easily the most I've put into any game. Uh, there's also Zelda that uh, I, what, I probably put in like 220 hours into Breath of the Wild. So it depends on the game because those are games that you can just keep playing, collecting stuff, and realistically, both those games are fun to just run in and, and kill monsters and stuff like that. Um, but if we're talking about like story and, and gameplay, I mean, uh, you know, first-person shooters for a long time were known for being like seven or eight hours long, and I didn't even think that was long enough. You know, they were always pretty short, and I, I thought they could go on for another like three or four if the story was good. Um, but then I just played, uh, I just played the game, uh, Hob and Hob to me was like, uh, if, if Zelda and Ori in the Blind Forest had like a low budget baby and I got through the game and it was like, this is really good, but it, it just ended. It was just over in like less than, less than 20 hours. And I feel like another like five hours of good story would have been fun in that game. Um, so it depends on, on the genre and, and how much it engrosses you. But if you're really looking to get through the story and you really want to finish a game from, from beginning to end uh, and you also want to have a life like us, I think that a 20-hour game is pretty reasonable. Okay. And that's, you know, so of course it depends on the genre and depends... I, I was looking through some of my game library and just trying to figure out what games I played recently that I put a lot of time into, Animal Crossing notwithstanding. But Last of Us took 30 hours. Um, the Final Fantasy VII Remake took about 35, 38 hours, I think. Um, even in my Switch library, I was looking at the most... Re and like, you know, I've put 25 hours into Civilization, Mario Kart, Smash Brothers, things that you can play periodically. Um, where story-driven games like Dragon Quest XI was 70, but I felt really compelled by the story to get there. I don't think if I knew from the onset it was going to take that long, I would have gotten into the game. Um, and I'm glad I did, but... Uh, I mean, it took, it took a month for me to beat The Last of Us 2. So it took me 30 days to beat a 30-hour game, and that would be if you're averaging only an hour a day. And realistically, that's not possible, given our lifestyle. Um, you know, so there are some longer play sessions in there, but, um, that's a really, that's a long time. And I guess they need to make like a narrative driven game where it's like 10 hours. Well, the last of us part one, I think we, I, we live stream, we beat it in. Yes, you did. Um, Heavy rain. is there, is there, 
is there length and value? Like I, people always equate like the, the dollar, you know, uh, analogy, like, well, if it's a $60 game, you know, you want to get your money's worth. So it should take you forever to beat it. But like, does, you know, and you, you mentioned this earlier, that band that goes on and plays four chords and walks off would be really terrible if they were shitty chords. But if it, if it was the most glorious, you know, three seconds of music ever, would it have been worth it? You know, so like $60 on a game is great, but if you don't like it, I you know, I don't know. I think there's so many variables here. Yeah, way too many. Um, but to answer, your, answer the question, I guess, for me, like 15 to 20 hours would be ideal. Um, 30, manageable, but it needs to be a really solid 30 hours. Otherwise, I'm tapping out. Um, so like I was looking at like Luigi's Mansion 3, um, Link's Awakening is games where I think that I clocked in 12 to 15 hours on both of those and felt really satisfied. And as someone who doesn't have a lot of time to game, um, I miss the satisfaction of actually completing a game, not the satisfaction of saying, okay, I've gotten my fill. I'm going to tap out. This was great, but I just, I'm not going to play it. it. It's really nice to finish something every now and then and feel satisfied and, and like you accomplish something. Um, so, all right, we, we came out of that with no clarity <laughs> whatsoever. Um, and maybe those of you listening at home- The only clarity we got was a low budget baby, apparently. Um, Play the game, you'll understand. <laughs> are listening or watching on our YouTube channel, let us know, like this is, this is something that we could debate forever. And uh, had, the, had this episode have a little bit more planning than a last minute throw together ish we would have put it up on the channel I, i'd love to hear from people to, to hear what they think about what they think is the perfect game and so we'll start to wrap up our show um in just a sec here because uh, i wanted to talk to you guys since it's been a while um i think ada and i are both finally over the we're playing animal crossing religiously hump which is great um <laughs> oh I just would like to hear what you guys are playing. If you have any any strong recommendations of stuff that's new or, or something that you haven't talked about before for our audience, what do you th what, what are you playing now? What do you recommend? Joe, you can go first. Oh, sure. uh, I feel like I'm always playing the same games. Uh, I'm I'm still playing Doom Eternal. I don't know if I was playing that last time. I might not. I don't been. think you were because I don't think it was out yet. Oh no, it was out yet. Well, I'm so I'm playing Doom Eternal now. I, I'm doing this thing where like I'll play it like three days straight and then won't touch it for two weeks. Uh, it's been really, really good though. Uh, and then, but me being who I am, I'm constantly playing at least two games at one time. Uh, so I'm alternating between Doom Eternal and Super Mario Bros. Deluxe U Deluxe Switch U. Because if you were going to get two opposite ends of the spectrum, <laughs> that would be it. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm going between those. And for some reason... Uh, Playing Mario is a lot more frustrating than playing Doom. Hmm. Are you yeah. playing Mario co-op? No, no, my God, no. That could uh, be the frustration. It, I, I made it to uh, the cat. I think I'm on like the last level and I did it in like three-ish days. But oh God, the stupid ways I've died just over and over again. It's, it's really frustrating. Um, and then I could just go into Doom and just blow up some demons or something, which is somehow easier uh but yeah i've been playing both and they're both enjoyable but i can see myself playing doom again but not playing mario again okay which is interesting given our penchant 
in this episode and the last one and how much we love replaying Mario games or going back, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that's one aspect of the, the, our games too long discussion is the replayability. Like I'll probably never play the last of us part two again, just because it's hard to put 30 extra hours into something I've experienced. Um, but that's cool. Yeah. I, I do maternal is something that I, I really do want to play because it's just, it's very cathartic. It's just, it's almost like, it's rhythmic and relaxing and there's just blood and guts everywhere. And <laughs> uh, yeah. Ada, what do you, uh, besides animal crossing? Um, I am uh, playing clubhouse games, which is a series of like 52, 52 games from all over the world, uh, board games and, you know, uh, games that I used to play as a kid, like there was one um, my dad and I used to play, it was called Dots, where you'd have to each take turns and, and make little boxes and whoever achieved the most boxes at the end won. Um, so something like that is really cool, especially when I don't want to kind of think about a game and I just want to sit there and game a little bit. Um, I have been trying out Just Dance and I did their month subscription to unlock all the games in their catalog uh, to get myself up and moving, especially before I had my bicycle. I thought that that was a great way to do it. Um, but I will say since it's announcement and since I watched the gameplay of it, I am so anxious to get my hands on to try Paper Mario, the, the new one with the, what is it, the Origami King? Yes, which I just started this morning. We're recording the day it came out. Today's Friday. Um, I put only put like 35 minutes into it. So I don't have much of an impression other than it's exactly what it appeared to be in the trailers. Like, I think I've had one battle. Um, but it's charming and it's cute and it's fun. I think you would really like it. Um, so I started that since I finished uh, The Last of Us last night. This is a very, very drastic change of pace from gritty and gory to colorful confetti um <laughs> game's really good um i've i you had mentioned just dance for exercise and i know we we poked a lot of fun of it um in previous episodes but i i did manage to snag a copy of of ring fit adventure uh which has been hard to come by in the pandemics and gyms are still closed here in the state of new jersey and probably other places in the in the country as well so i thought um, since I've taken up running, which I hate, but I like doing, um, which is a weird statement now I'm hearing myself say it, uh, Ring Fit Adventure has been kicking my butt and uh, all the credit to that team for, for putting that together and doing that in a really cool way. Um, I'm, I'm drenched after, you know, a, a 40 minute workout, usually after a run, it's just, it's been really cool uh, to see that progress and um I last weekend hit a long stint of playing Civilization VI on the Switch. And much like Joe said, with a game, you can pop in and play for three days straight and then not again for a long while. I might not play that game for another couple of months, but the itch will come and it's there. That's a great game to get addicted uh, to. If you're into that series, it's very deep as far as like the systems in place. But if that's your kind of thing, it's like frequently on sale for like 15 bucks on the eShop or at stores. I would definitely recommend the port to the console carries over really well from the pc um but paper mario will be my future and we're going to do a review of that as well um at some point in the near future so i do have a question for you fire um, so you're doing ring fit and you were kind of reluctant to jump on that bandwagon but what has surprised you about it um it it feels like from an exercise standpoint it was really well thought out um, as far as 
like guiding you, making sure you're doing things safely, encouraging you to take breaks. Um, I mean, like the, the story RPG element is a cool motivator as well. Like it's, and I've heard this said before in a couple of different other outlets, but I didn't really understand it fully until I played it. Um, you figured a game that merges exercise and, um, you know, like RPG stuff would do one better than the other. And it does both of those things pretty well. I mean, it's not the most deep, it's not a deep story at all. I mean, like the ring that you hold is an in-game character whose name is Ring. Like they couldn't even come up with something creative there. And so like, but it's not really meant to be like that. And so, you know, when you're fighting, each world ends with a fight against Drago, this gigantic muscular dragon. And like each time you get there, you're like, I'm going to, this is it. I'm going to kick your butt. And it, it, it so I, I like the exercise parts of it. I like feeling like, okay, you know, 30 minutes after a run, I can play, you know, ring fit and feel like I'm, I'm being healthy. And uh, I mean, even with Wii Fit um, and the balance board and all that stuff, I didn't, I didn't ever got the same sense of, oh, this is, you know, th that was always, it was way more fun than it was exercise. This definitely feels like it's more exercise uh, oh. with fun. So, um yeah, I had my nose up at it when it first came out and launched and we made fun of it, but I'm eating crow and I will say that if you can find a copy, uh, it, it's it's pretty cool. So um, it's a good way to stay active and, it, and, it's, and it's a great way to stay in shape. <laughs> Here's a throwback for you. Well, that's going to be about all the time we have for today's episode. I want to thank Joe and Ada for being here today. And sure. us. Um and I want to thank Joe for making that face that he just made uh, in the video episode. Um, <laughs> listening as well, thank you uh, for joining us on this journey through some Mario news, uh, our heated, endless debate on uh, our games too long that will never be answered, as well as a few other uh, tidbits of news that have happened in the last week. I, I want to say that I will promise to do this more regularly for you but I don't want to say those words because I can't promise that. No, and you got to be realistic. I don't want that to offend you. We, I, I enjoy doing it. Like, this is fun for me. Um, and, uh, you know, I like creating content for people to enjoy. And it's, it's not for lack of wanting to do that, trust me. So if you're, if you're sticking through this episode to the end, thank you. Um, please make sure you tell others about us. Get, uh, get our, our name out there. We'd love to keep doing this for more people. And if you like us, and probably your friends do too, so get them to to watch, listen, to subscribe. Give us a review on iTunes, uh, on Google Play, on Spotify. Uh, let us know what we're doing well, what we're doing bad. You can always email me, Tom, at Level Thirty Games. If you're like, hey, Tom, you're doing things terrible. Here's some advice for you. Cool. Or if you like what you're hearing, let us know that too, because that makes us feel good. It makes us want to keep doing it. So thank you. Um, Keep an ear out for our review on Paper Mario. I think we've got a couple Let's Plays that we're talking about doing. Ada and I were brewing up some ideas for Let's Plays. Um, Press Start is in the can as well. We got a medley episode coming up soon. Um, so that'd be cool. And uh, that's it. Yeah. Ada, Joe, any final thoughts? Any words? Any words? We talked for an hour, but any words? <laughs> um, I say something silly. So uh, yesterday I was watching a uh, a video thing, a pod, not really a podcast, but it was something in this format of uh, 
a band that was supposed to play a show and they were all talking and hanging out. And it was like, this is, this is just cool to see them talking and hang out. And then they brought in the singer of another band that I listened to. And I'm like, this is awesome. This is the coolest thing. But I had no interaction with them whatsoever. I was just watching a whole bunch of people hang out. And it was still exciting for me to see people that I appreciate and, and create music that I enjoy just hanging out and talking. Uh, so if anybody is out there listening to us and, and you know, being who I was yesterday, you know, and, and kind of switching the tables here and they're watching us and really appreciating and enjoying the content that we're creating, putting out. Uh, thank you. Like that's, that's awesome. I really appreciate that. That's, that's the coolest thing for me from our standpoint to create something that somebody else enjoys and actually like looks forward to hearing and is actually sticking around to the point where they can make me give this whole spiel. So uh, thank you, everybody, really. Yeah, Joe, that was so well put. You're such a great little speaker, yep. I swear. No, I, I absolutely concur. And I, I think it's it's great and it's awesome to see where this channel started and where it's come to. And I couldn't be more thrilled to be a part of it, especially, you know, kind of, I don't want to say being an outcast, but being the, the member of this, of this family, this team that is probably not clocking in the amount of hours that y'all are. So having the ability to be that other voice for people that are doing it literally as casually as I am is pretty cool. So thank you for that opportunity. Definitely. Oh, that was really nice, guys. Cool. Yay. Oh, thanks. Well, we're going to end on that note because I don't think we have, we're, we're going to top that. Um, or I'll just mess it up. So uh, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. Everyone be happy, be healthy, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll chat with you soon. See you, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks.